I'll tell you, God is doing some great things. We, uh, over the last couple of weeks, I don't know, we've, I think we've had five or six physical healings in our church. We had two or three last night at the women's retreat. Uh, I mean, we're seeing God do some stuff. And I'm telling you, next weekend's going to be off the hook. Uh, with uh, Brian Barcelona will be here if you don't know about Brian, but our youth pastor, Alan, was his number two guy and served with One Voice where they were having 50, over 50,000 high school students in high schools every single day across America. And we're going to be there. We're going we're to we're get in every high school. We're going to preach the gospel. We're going to see revival come. We're going to see the word of God thrive. And, and so uh, put on your seatbelt. Get ready. Get ready for what God's doing. Amen. All right. Did we show the women's video? Thank you very much. The voice of conscience. So let's see the video now, because uh, my wife might be watching, and then I'd be in trouble for like. Good till morning, Influence Church. It's Women of Influence here at Exhale Retreat. Holy Spirit has been doing crazy things. We want to. All right. Well, there you go. Looks like they're having a good time. If you remember seeing any uh, shots from the men's retreat, it didn't look that nice. Remember that? They were soldier crawling in the snow. Um, but anyway, we're going to, uh, let me just transition now. I'm going to do it with a prayer, and then we're going to go into the book of Genesis, all right? We're preaching through the book of Genesis. It's, uh, it's a 30 years plan to get through that book. I only say that because I think I'm five sermons in and only eight verses in. So it may take a while, but it's, it's so critically important. Father, we praise you. We thank you, God, for the word of God that is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. We thank you that your words, Father, uh, are eternal and fixed in the heavens where the grass may f uh, wither and the flower may fade. The word of God abides forever. And Father, you've told us in your word that it is, uh, that it, it is faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Every time we hear the word of God, our faith increases and it grows, and we thank you for that in Jesus' name, amen. Well, every major doctrine is introduced in the first 12 chapters of the book of Genesis, and so it sets a tone for what you're going to read and study throughout the entire book. So I really want you to encourage you to read those first 12 chapters uh, just keep rereading them over and over again. They're going to see what's happening. Not only that, but it also addresses contemporary issues that we are facing today. Now, the next message, it won't be next Sunday, it'll be the week after, because Brian's speaking next week. I'm going to be talking about gender identity and what the Bible has to say. We're going to give you tools. We're going to give you information. We're not just going to say we disagree. We're going to tell you why we disagree. But remember, some of these issues, gender, uh, marriage, sexuality, children, uh, social engineering, transhumanism, uh, evolution, all of these things are addressed in the first 12 chapters of the book of Genesis. Yes, transhumanism that we're, is so much a part of society today is actually addressed in Genesis chapter 6 through 9. We're going to look at that. What you need to understand about, about Genesis is this, that God reveals himself through creation, but he is separate from it. Now, that may not seem too profound or that important to you, but it's essential to your understanding of a biblical worldview. 
that God reveals himself through creation, but he's separate from it. Those out of the Hindu mindset and philosophy and religion will say that God is in everything. It's called pantheism. So everything is God. They have over 30 million gods in the Hindus because everything becomes a god. And then everything evolves in this process called karma. And you come back, and you come back, and you come back, and hopefully you're going to get it right the next time. But in one chapter, just Genesis chapter 12, God addresses all the false religion, all the philosophy, all the atheistic science. In fact, God dismisses it all in two words. God said. If you haven't learned the power of God said yet, Think about what does God say to you? That's how you live your life. You live on the God said moments of your life where God is speaking and God is revealing something to you. You see, when you read the book of Genesis, in fact, when you read the whole Bible, the power of Almighty God is displayed by his creative acts. He takes the chaos created by Satan in his rebellion and he turns it into order. Mankind wanders in darkness trying to find God apart from the word of God. There are those who want to idolize the planet with terms like Mother Earth or Mother Nature. These are not new, but rather date back to the earliest age. We can find it in ancient Egypt with the sky goddess. In Hinduism is the goddess Durga. This worship of Earth through false gods can be found among the Incas, the Aztecs, the Mayans, the Chinese, and yes, America has its own cult of unbelief. Worship of sun, stars, and moon can be seen among every culture. In ancient Egypt, it was the god Ra, was, was the dominant god. Islam worships the moon god, Allah. Allah is not the god of the Bible, it is the moon god. This is why they raise the crescent high above their mosques, because they are following after the moon god. Astrology assumes that alignment of the stars can exert power and determine human destiny. Astrology is a form of divination that is forbidden in the Bible, Deuteronomy chapter 18. Sun, moon, stars are dethroned as gods in the first chapter of the book of Genesis. In the book of Genesis, they are all created by God and provided to display his glory and to serve mankind as days and years and moments in history. In the Bible, in Genesis, I want to read to you days three, four, and five today. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to look with me in verse nine. It begins with some simple words. Then God, say it with me. Then God, you want God to speak to you today, amen? You see, God speaks through his word. He speaks by his spirit and he takes the scriptures that you might not even think are going to apply to you, and he uses them in a way that's just almost amazing. Amen? Listen to what it says. Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together in one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. When God said, it will be so. You want to have not only a God said in your moment, you want to have an a so moment. And it was so. Verse 10, and God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters he called seas, and God saw that it was good. You know, everything God does is good. Some people want to point a finger at God and say, I don't know how a good God could do that. Do you realize you're just quoting Satan when you say that? When you question whether God is sovereign and God knows what he's doing, 
Or you make a statement like, when I get to heaven, I've got a few questions for God. You may not get to heaven if you have that attitude. Can I just tell you, reassure you that the Bible says we will know as we have been known. That means when you get to heaven, you're not going to have any questions. And you're going to be so humbled by Almighty God to be in his throne. You're going to follow course when you're going to fall down on your feet. And you're going to throw whatever crowns you have on your head to the feet of Jesus and worship him day and night. In verse 11, and God said, let the earth bring forth grass, herb, and yield seeds, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind. It's interesting that I don't think Moses was a botanist, and yet somehow he got the three categories right. How did he do that? Three is a, is a wonderful number in Scripture. It always points back to the divine. We have time, space, and matter continuum that we talk about uh, when we talk about space and how we live our life. It's amazing. It's three, isn't it? Every color can be made out of three primary colors. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God created you, body, soul, and spirit. All time is measured in past, present, and future. I could go on and tell you the wonderful uh, just dimension of three. And we see it right here. And then it says, And the earth brought forth, verse 12, uh, herbs and, and yield seeds according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit, whose seed in itself according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. I want to remind you that everything was made in a mature state, not in an embryo state. It did not evolve. The seed did not then become a tree. A tree yielded the seed. And life was in the seed. And that's a really important thing you need to understand about, about faith is life is in the seed. When you plant a seed, there's, there's life going to come forth from that seed. So was evening and morning of the third day. Verse 14, then God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs, for seasons, for days, and for years. You see, God put them there to serve us. The entire earth is for our benefit there are those today who are pantheistic or they're atheistic and they say, no, we have to protect the planet. Yes, protect the planet with good environmental the best you can, but ultimately we don't worship Mother Nature or the planet. Some of you are saying, I gotta go check this out, all right? Verse 15, and then let there be lights in the ferment for the heavens to give light to the earth, and it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night, and he made the stars also. I love the, the afterthought. He made the sun, the moon, and the stars also. Just wanna let you know, I threw those in. How did Moses know that the greater light was sun? It appears from earth that the moon is larger than the sun. See, the Bible is not a science book, but where it speaks on science is correct. It's an amazing book. I mean, so what, what's your favorite verse in the Bible? The one I'm reading. I just love it all. Don't you just love the Word of God? God made two great lights, the greater to rule the day, the lesser to rule the night, and he made the stars also. And, let them set, and God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, divide the light from the darkness, and God saw that it was good. My grandson was about four. I walked out. We were walking out of the bank, and he looked up, and he says, Look, Papa, the moon is white, and the sun was over here. You see, it's for signs. Do you realize the moon is a picture of the bride of Jesus Christ coming in white robes, returning with the sun of righteousness? When you look up and you see the sun and the moon together, it's a reminder of the second coming of Jesus Christ. 
See, that's, signs, that's the signs that God puts in the heavens. We're gonna get in a little bit later. We'll talk about the gospel of the stars, how God put every star in its place, and he gave them all a name. And some of the configuration of the stars is absolutely mind-blowing. The largest one in the northern hemisphere, the largest constellation, God put the constellations together, not the Greeks, by the way, is Draco the dragon. It wraps itself completely around, almost completely around the northern hemisphere. And what's interesting, if you understand how to, how to look at those stars, uh, and this is, this is astronomy, not astrology, the standing above the head of Draco the dragon is the foot of Hercules. He's crushing the head of the serpent. Sound familiar? It's what it says in Genesis chapter three. We'll look at that in greater detail. But it goes on to say this, verse 19, and that was evening and morning of the fourth day. And God said, let the waters abound with the abundance of living creatures. Let the birds fly above the earth and across the face of the firmament of the heavens. So God created sea creatures of everything that moves, which were in the waters abounded according to their kind, and every winged bird according to their kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, be fruitful, multiply, fill the seas, and the birds multiply on the earth. And so it was evening and morning of the fifth day. Well, it's pretty amazing when you begin to think about the world that God created and Satan's lie. You realize you're living in a world where Satan does everything he can to lie to you so that you don't know the Lord or love the Lord. And when you fall into sync with God, you begin to fall into a supernatural dimension of living that you're not subject to the confines of the natural world. Because God does stuff in the middle of that that you can't even explain. God can do more in five minutes than you can do in five years, working and worrying your way into it. Listen to what it says in Romans chapter one, one of my favorite verses, verses 20 through 23. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things which are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. Now let's just... Let's just think about what was just said. Let's go back and look at that verse again. They're clearly seen. What's clearly seen? His invisible attributes. What's an attribute of God? It is something that's true of God and not true of anyone else. That is, God is all-powerful. Have you ever walked out into the, the, to an evening and seen the glory of God and seen a million pinpricks of light that dashed across the heavens and said to yourself, there must be a God? Of course you have. Have you ever thought to yourself, this just happened? No, you haven't. Not unless you sit under some, some atheistic lost professor in a university who tried to convince you that all of this just spontaneously happened. But they never can answer where the spontaneity came from. Where's the original spark come from? He goes on to tell us this, his eternal power and Godhead. You know what his Godhead is? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Do you mean that somehow I can understand the, the Godhead by looking into the world I live? Yes. And it goes on to say, so they are without excuse. This is what's called natural revelation. There's also something called internal revelation. That is, God created you with a God-shaped vacuum that only God can fill. And there's also special revelation. That's the word of God, voice of heaven, angels, etc. Although they knew God, now look what it says here. 
These are people that deny it. So they are without excuse. Although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. You see, when you reject God, what you do is your mind becomes futile in its thinking. Have you ever seen some of the actions that have been happening today in our world, especially related to children and transgenderism, and said, how in the world can anyone think like that? It is because their mind has become futile and their heart has become darkened, and it makes complete sense to them. Because they're living apart from God and the wisdom of God. Their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. Professing to be wise, the word wise in the Greek there is the word sophos, is we get our word sophisticated. Professing to be sophisticated, they became foolish. The word foolish there in the Greek is morono, is where we get our word moron. (laughs) This is God's humor. They thought they were sophisticated, and God said, no, you're a moron. (laughs) Hey, it's just Bible. Just like we have idioms in the English language, you have them also in the Greek language. Just like we have humor in the English language, you have it in the Greek language, and God uses that in this scripture. You'll see him do it again later in the book of Genesis where it says that they made this Tower of Babel and they were so impressed because they were gonna reach to the heavens, and God said this, if this isn't funny, I don't know what is, let me go down and see what it is. It's like a parent looking in a little Lego building that their children have built. Bible is filled with humor. Professing to be wise, they became fools. And look what they did. They changed the glory of incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, birds, four-footed animals, and creeping things. You can see this across the board. You can see all kinds of, of societies who take and they glorify man in humanism, like Michelangelo did. That's glorifying man, the ideal man. The David is is not the David of the Bible. That's the ideal man. If you've ever been there and seen that colossal statue there, his hands are oversized. The reason they are is because he believed in the the hands they they could solve any mechanical problem in the world. How about birds and four-footed animals and creeping things? How many societies have, have, have succumbed to this worship of uh, the animal world and, and fallen down to it? We're very close to it in America with the pets that we have. It gets quiet in here now. <laughs> hey, I know some of you have pets that can talk and are going to heaven. You just can't find it in the Bible. That's all I'm saying. Pets are great things to have. Keep them where they are. They're pets. Some of you say, no, they're not. Some of you are never coming back. I know already. All right. Look what it says in Deuteronomy 4, verse 19. And take heed, lest you lift up your eyes to heaven when you see the sun, the moon, and the stars. Isn't it interesting the order he puts here? And all the host of heaven, and you feel driven to worship them and serve them which the Lord your God has given to all people under the whole heaven as a heritage. Some of you have symbols of the zodiac in your home. You need to get rid of them. Some of you read the horoscope because you think that that's gonna help you. Some of you try to find a, a, a mate because of the horoscope. Let me tell you, that's building your life on fate, that the stars have power and influence over your future, over your destiny. They do not. 
All is behind. If you study astrology, you'll understand that it all goes back to the demonic. It's not fun. It's not cute. It's not innocent. And when you begin to take and break things off in your life and say, this goes in a different category. This is not the category of good and right and holy in the sight of God. This is the sight that's over here edging on evil or evil itself. Because what you want to do, the Bible says, come out from among them and be a separate people, says the Lord. See, no man can serve two masters. They're going to love one or, or, and hate the other or vice versa. If you're going to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength, you have to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all yeah. your strength, all your mind. It's up to you. The Bible is not like, doesn't make like suggestions. People say, well, I, I read those 10 commandments, but I don't know about those. They're not, they're 10 commandments, not 10 suggestions. John 10, 10, listen to what the Bible says. The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy, and I have come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. So what does the enemy Satan do? He wants to do three things. He wants to come that he might steal from you, kill you, and destroy you. If you don't see this working out and playing out in the world, then, then you've really been closed off to what's happening. For example, right now they're pushing this, uh, this suicide law in Canada where children do not have to tell their parents they can actually commit suicide on their own apart from any knowledge of the parents. Now, I predicted this 20 years ago. I said, when, when, just watch, abortion is just the start of what you're gonna begin to see happen. Because if life, if, if we just simply evolve from a lower life form, if there's nothing special and unique about you created in the image of God, then what makes you valuable or more valuable than anyone else? Your value then becomes based on what you can, how you can think or how much money you have or how much influence you have versus just you are, you are valuable because you were created in the image of Almighty God. And that's why God loves you. And that's why one of the, one of the tricks that Satan has to, tries to play, especially uh, on, on young people, is that, that you don't measure up. You're not as pretty. You're not as strong. You're not as athletic. And so there's always this uh, comparison thing that this just comes right out of hell. It doesn't come from God. You need to be the best you you are. You can't be somebody else. God doesn't want you to be somebody else. He wants to kill and he wants to destroy everything that's going. But watch the, watch the counter of this. But God said, I came that you might have life and have it what? Say it with me. More abundantly, abundant life. God's divine plan, we can see it in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. All things were created through him, for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. Is that clear? You see, it's so, the Bible is so clear. God created everything that you can see and everything you can't see. He is before all things, therefore he is eternal. And in him all things hold together. He is the glue of the universe. Some of the things we see is genetic order. Everything will reproduce after its own kind. You see that word after its own kind is used 10 times in the book of Genesis chapter one alone. It's a genetic designation setting apart something from randomness. 
And within that is this law of the harvest. Not only that is life, uh, we see it in the seed. Life is in the seed that comes from the tree that God created and you reap what you sow. And you reap more than you sow. This is a supernatural principle in the word of God. If you, if you sow into something love, you're gonna reap back what? This is not a hard question. I can get some hard questions, but this is not one of them. If you sow into life, you get what? This is why the words of your mouth are so important. Proverbs chapter 18. Are the words of your mouth life or are they death? People don't understand they're cursing the ground they walk in when they're talking about how sick they are and how bad they have it and how life miserable is miserable. I hear people all the time go, what are you, how are you doing? I'm just mis- hor- horrible. I just don't know what I'm going to do. I've been sick forever and, you know, and I don't have any money. And I'm going like, oh, I'm getting away from you. You need to speak life over the ground you walk on. Right? You say, well, I, I don't have any money. Then begin to thank God for what you do have. See, people don't get thankful. You lose thankfulness in your life and you lose hope in your life and you have no future. God, I don't, I don't really know where I'm going with this, God, but I trust you and I believe there's an answer coming. Every day I go to a certain door at my house. I look out over my house and I say this, Lord, I thank you for the promise of Ephesians 3.20 that you have done exceedingly abundantly beyond all could ever ask or think and now, God, I ask you for increase. Aren't you satisfied, you say? I'm totally satisfied, but God is a God of increase. God is a God of abundance. God is a God of, of, of blessing, not a God of cursing. We're out to dinner the other night with uh, Brandon and the two granddaughters. We're sitting there and they bring over an Etch-A-Sketch. This is the greatest pull the wool over a parent thing I've ever seen in my life. They have not changed this in 50 years. So I look it up, I think, is there not an advanced version of this? No, 25 bucks. Then I look over and I see two of these little sketch pads for 11 bucks. I show them to Gracie Bell and she looks at him. Oh, Papa, I want that. Now, I could have done one of two things. I could have said, look, you'd be satisfied with the Etch-A-Sketch that you have to give back. Don't be so greedy, don't be so selfish. Be content with everything you have. I would get an F on Papa world. (laughs) Amen? I don't get an A for that. 11 bucks, I can buy two. I got two granddaughters at the dinner table. I'm buying two, a pink one and a blue one. And then I text Brandon, I said, hey Brandon, I got these etch pads, sketch pads, you wanna bring the girls by and get them. Now, why did I do that? Because I'm like my heavenly father. Because sometimes God gives us stuff we need and sometimes God gives us stuff we want. And he, never, and, he, and he doesn't do it because we've been a good boy and girl. He does it because he loves us because we're creating the image of almighty God. If you think about how, if you think about the ideal parent who always does the very best they can and then take that to a perfected level, that's God. That's God. God is not ever holding back. He wants to bless you beyond measure in all of your life. The principle of abundance, there is no shortage of God. 
I tell you, I have had times in my life when I have been out of everything except faith. When you get out of faith, you're out of everything. If you've got faith and hope in your life, you have everything you need for your future. You say, well, preacher, have you ever really been that low? I've said, I've been that low. I've been so low that I had two kids and no diapers and no wash machine. I had no money, didn't know what I was gonna do, and I said, God, I just, we just gotta, you gotta do a miracle. Either these babies gotta quit going to the bathroom or God, you gotta supply something. We drove up to our church, we pulled in there, and there's a giant box on the front porch. I thought, wonder what this is. It was not a box, it was a case of Pampers. What a coincidence. Every time I have faith, I have coincidences, amen? Divine coincidences. You know who gave it to us? The guy that owned the little, the little town uh, store there, he wasn't even a Christian, didn't even go to our church. His wife did. He said to his wife one day, he said, you know, I want to help that preacher out. I don't know why, but I just want to help him out. She said, well, they always need diapers. Why don't you give them a box of diapers? He said, I'm going to give them a case. Guy's name was Homer. Homer never went to church. I pulled up one day to get gas, and I said, uh, he says, preacher, you know why I don't go to church? I said, I do, because the church is full of hypocrites, because he had the same line every time I pulled up. That's how I knew the answer, right? Because church is full of hypocrites. And I said, you know, you're right. Every one of them's a hypocrite up there except for one. He kind of said, they are? I said, yeah, even me. Really? And I said, yeah, hypocrite's someone who pretends to be something they're not. I've done that. Sometimes when I'm not happy, I'm smiling and I'm faking it. I'm a hypocrite. He said, well, you said there's one up there that's not. Who is that? I said, it's Jesus. He said, preacher, where are you going? I said, I'm going down to Baton Rouge to buy a new sign for the church. He said, how much is that sign going to cost? I said, it's going to cost about $5,000, I think. He said, just a minute. He went inside, wrote a check up for $5,000, brought it to me. He says, go get a new sign, and Homer got saved the next Sunday in church. You know why? You know why he said he, all, all that happened? He said, because you're the first preacher that told me the truth, that the church was full of hypocrites. Hey, guess what? You're not perfect. If you're sitting next to somebody who says they are, run. Before the lightning hits, amen? What's our responsibility? Our responsibility is this, Hebrews chapter 11, verses one through three. Now faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now listen to the next verse. Everything ties back to creation. By faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen are not made of the things that are visible. Faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse six. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, that is, you have to believe there is a God, the God of the Bible, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Do you know that God is a rewarder, God? The funniest thing for me is when I hear this statement come from the lips of people, and I've heard it my whole ministry. All they really care about is money. And you know what I know deep in my heart? That guy never has to worry about it because he'll never give any. Because there's a heart of, of, of selfishness that manifests itself in every part of your life. But when you have a heart of generosity, it manifests itself in every part of your life. See, God says, I love a generous giver. 
You know what that word in the, the word generous he, is, is the word, uh, a cheerful giver rather, that word is the word where we get our word hilarious. Can you imagine you take an offering up and everybody just starts laughing? They're just having so much fun giving. They go, this is so much fun. You know why? Because God is a rewarder God. You said, Pastor, do you give to get? No, but I get when I give. Is there a difference? It's the law of the harvest. Look at Matthew chapter five. What's our responsibility? I love this scripture. It's just, it's almost like bathing in, in just the breath of Jesus. You are the light of the world. It's talking about those followers of Jesus. You, just say to yourself right now, I am the light of the world. And, and then he tells us this, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. In other words, when you have the light of God in you, you can't be hidden. You shine for everybody to see. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Now look what it says. Let your light shine before men that they see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You see, when I understand God is my creator, God is my redeemer, and that my, my job is to, is to really represent him on planet Earth, and I glorify God in heaven in my life, in my doing, and everything that I do. Then it all kind of makes sense when you say, why do people go to Ukraine? Why do people go to Turkey? Why do people go to India? Why do people go to Mexico? Why do we do what we do? Is because we are a, a city set on a hill. We let our light be shine. And then speak words of faith. I want to take you back to where we started. God said, when you start reading the Bible, you're going to find out God says a lot of stuff. You just have to ask yourself, do I believe it? Because when you believe it, then God will look and say, and it is so, and it is good in the sight of Almighty God, amen. You know, one of the great promises, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, here's the promise, you will be saved. It's a conditional promise. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, you will be saved. Isn't that a great promise of God? Delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. Isn't that a great promise of God? You know the Bible's a promise book? And I want everyone here to leave with a great promise of God and a great fulfillment of God. Let's stand together and let me pray with you. And as I pray with you, I want you just to seek out the Lord right now. Somehow God put something on your heart. He spoke to you in some way. Something that may, maybe you need to do, something you need to stop doing, some shift in your life, whatever it might be. Would you just give that to God right now? Would you turn that over to the Lord right now and just say, God, I, I don't know what to do, fill in the blank, whatever that is, but I trust you, but I love you. I wanna walk with you, God. God, I believe your word is true and powerful in my life. It's transformational, it's living and active, and I give it to you, God, this morning. If you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord or your Savior today, I'm gonna to ask you, I'm gonna invite you to join me in a prayer like this one. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross. I believe that you were buried in a tomb, that you rose from the dead to give me eternal life. And by faith, I trust you right now as my Lord, as my Savior, as the returning King of Kings. If that was your prayer, would you just thank him in your own words? Just say, God, I prayed that prayer. I believe the word of God is true, and I trust you completely, wholeheartedly. 
Thank you for saving me, Lord Jesus. That was your prayer today. Rejoice in the Lord. Amen. Be thankful. Follow the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. Amen.